You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 307, Equipping the Church Safety Team. If you've been listening to me for a while, you know that church safety is something that that we talk about periodically. It's become a very, very important issue with some high-profile and even some low-profile church shootings, uh, violent uh, incidents in church, and you know, one of the things that, that we've committed to at our church is that, that that's not going to happen there. It, we've put a, a team in place of dedicated men and women who um, really have, have said we are going to do whatever it takes to protect the flock. Uh, that also means protecting their own families, but also the other families that, that belong to our church. And uh, we're not unique in this. There's plenty of other churches that have made that same decision. It's become a very, very uh, important issue. Um, you know, this idea of protecting the church. And so what I'm going to talk about over this episode and probably the next episode is what does it take to equip the, the, the church safety team? What should be some of the things that every church safety team member has on them, has access to, etc.? Um, and some of these things I'm going to say that, that I believe are absolute essentials. Other things we'll talk about that might be more optional, but at least it gets the ball rolling and the discussion going. Um, this is not where we're going to be talking about training or requirements for being on the team. That's a, another discussion for another day, but today we're and, and next week we'll be talking about um, actually equipping the team. So the first thing we want to talk about, equipping uh, equipping a church safety team is what type of firearm are they carrying? Um, obviously, depending on what your local laws are, where you're where you're at in the world, uh, this might not even be an option. Uh, in in the USA, in in my state, uh, for for citizens to be able to carry a firearm is absolutely acceptable. Um, as long as they go through the uh, correct procedures and get the correct permits. So, so we have an armed church safety team, as do many, many of the other churches that I'm connected with and consult for or, or speak to about this important subject. So um, if you have an unarmed church safety team, that's cool. Go ahead and listen because we're going to be talking about uh, um, you know, the idea of, of other things that you can carry. Um, it's just I wanted to go ahead and get firearms out of the way. So if you're in an environment where you're able to um, have an arm team, what is the best firearm? Well, obviously there's no one best firearm. Just like if somebody's going to buy a car, you don't um, say, you know, look, Chevrolet is absolutely the best or Toyota is absolutely the best. You might say that, but obviously there's you know, uh, a Nissan's going to get you from point A to point B. A Ford's going to get you from point A to point B. Um, 
you know, it just really, it's what are you looking for? How much money are you wanting to spend? And what are the bells and whistles that you are looking for? So here's just a few thoughts on a firearm. Uh, my recommendation for a church safety team member is some type of mid-size handgun. Give you, a, and for a frame of reference, if you're not a firearms person, look up a Glock 19. A Glock 19 is a mid-size firearm. Uh, it holds 15 rounds in the magazine. Of course, one in the chamber would give you a total of 16. Um, the, the Glock 19 is a good mid-size frame. Smith & Wesson has one. Uh, in their M&P series, uh, Walther, um, it, it pretty much any manufacturer, SIG, uh, you know, has different size frames. The, the mid-size frame is good for several reasons. First of all, we, we've had some team members who wanted to carry a, a minigun. And what I mean by a minigun is, a, is, is, is the, the compact or the, even the ultra compact. Well, First of all, they're, they can be a little more difficult to shoot because the impact is, or the, uh, the, the, the recoil is more felt. The smaller the gun, the more recoil you're going to have. It holds less rounds of ammunition. And um, just the reality is in, in qualifying, my team has to qualify every year. Um, you know, guys and girls that are carrying the, the, the compact and ultra compact seem to struggle more um, at further distances in qualifying. Obviously, that can be worked through with training, but what we found is when we carry the, the mid-sized gun, it handles the recoil better. It's got plenty of rounds, as we said, a Glock 19, and then the comparable um, other makes um, usually contain around, 50, the magazines hold around 15 rounds, which is, you know, God forbid, worst-case scenario, you have to actually use the gun for an active shooter or some other violent encounter, but you want to have enough ammo to, to do what you need to do. So um, a mid-sized frame, and you also have to think about concealment. How well does the gun conceal? Um, you know, we've had a couple of other team members who wanted to carry a full-size frame. And what they found was um, it's harder to conceal, which means they print more. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk about clothing probably next week and dress code and, and uh, how to conceal a firearm and just how you want to present yourself. But, but a full-size firearm is also heavier um, one of the guys who was on our team who, who, who was carrying a full-size SIG uh, 9mm, um, he carried it for several Sundays in a row and said, you know, this." and he was a big guy. He said, you know, this thing's just uncomfortable carrying it, you know, keeping it concealed and, you know, digging into my, my hip or, or, or whatever. It, just, it was just too big. So, so, so the guys and girls that have, you know, wanted to carry full-size have pretty much everybody's gone to a mid-size frame. Um, and on, on our particular team, I'd say the majority of people are carrying Glocks. Um, we also have, I think, a Walther. Um, somebody's carrying a Smith, a Springfield. Um, so there's, there's, different, there's different, you know, varieties, different types of guns. Um, you know, as long as it's a good quality firearm, you can qualify with it, uh, you feel comfortable with it, hey, we're good to go. But just understand, you do have to qualify with it, and you're going to have to carry it all the time. So it's just something to get used to. Now, when we're talking about the gun, what about some accessories for that particular firearm? Um, this is not a requirement, but I recommend if, if for the folks on our team to, to carry a light, a flashlight attached to their gun. To me, these are just the greatest little things because if in a low-light situation, fumbling with a flashlight um, can be, you know, just one more thing in your hand. But with a, a light on your pistol... 
Um, you've got access to a flashlight right there, and you can keep both hands on the gun. Um, another thing that, uh, that, that a lot of folks are going to, and I'd say several, of the probably a quarter of the people on our team have gone to a hologram rear sight. And what this does is it gives you a red dot that you see as soon as you bring the gun up to eye level. And this is great. I'm actually looking at this myself. As, as you get older and your eyesight begins to diminish a little bit, it just makes it so much easier. And I'm not talking about lasers. We're not even going to address lasers in this. I'm just talking about what we would call some type of aim point where um, the, the, the hologram sight allows you. There's a red dot. You zero the gun. Um, you zero the sights just like you would with any other sight. And uh, wherever you put that red dot, uh, it, it, essentially it becomes your front sight. And wherever you put that, that's theoretically where the round is going to go. So it's great for acquiring the sights um, and accuracy and shooting. And, and like I say, everybody, so many folks on our team that are carrying them just absolutely love them. Now, it they're, they're not cheap. It adds a substantial price to the gun. But it is definitely something worth considering. Something else about the firearm. Um, I recommend uh, that, that you always carry an extra magazine of ammunition. Uh, some, of the, some of my guys and girls carry two rounds or two, two magazines of ammunition. But I recommend carrying at least one extra magazine of ammunition. Um, the idea that you would change magazines in a gunfight um, is very, very unlikely for a civilian, even in a, a, a bad situation. But it's still good to be prepared for worst-case scenario. And if you had some type of malfunction, having an extra magazine might be the difference between life and death. You know, I've been around firearms for, um, you know, a big, big chunk of my life, probably over half my life. And, you know, one of the things that you see when um, you have some type of malfunction is it's either shooter-related or it's magazine or ammo-related. Uh, shooter-related, we can fix. You know, if you're holding the gun wrong or you're, you're just using the wrong fundamentals, we can fix that. Um, but the magazine is the weakest part of any firearm. And if you're, you're using them a lot, you're practicing a lot, if you're dropping them, you know, during reloads, um, they can break, they can wear out, the springs can wear out eventually. And so having that extra magazine just in case is a really, really good idea. So that's, that's what we'll talk about with the pistol. If you have any more specific questions, you can definitely email me and we can talk about it. Um, the second thing that I recommend that every church safety team member carry is a small flashlight. Now, as I said, I recommend having one on the gun, but there aren't going to be you know, that many times, hopefully, where you're going to have your gun out, but there'll be plenty of times where you might actually need a flashlight. Uh, there could be a power outage. There could be weather incidents that knock the power out. Um, you, know, you might be working at night, protecting and patrolling your parking lot. Um, there's any number of incidents where you might need a flashlight, and I recommend always having one on you. Part of my everyday carry is a flashlight in my pocket. Um, as I said, I've got one on my gun, but I always want a flashlight in my pocket just because you never know when you you might need it. Make sure it works. Make sure it's bright. Make sure that you keep the batteries changed because what good is it going to do if you pull it out and push the button and it doesn't work? But this is a great tool for a safety team member. Uh, number three. Number three. How about a knife? You know, pocket knives, uh, you know, when I was growing up, 
Every boy had a pocket knife. That was just normal. Why would you not have a pocket knife? And today, in our politically correct uh, culture, it just seems to have gone away. And more and more people have gotten away from carrying a knife. But, you know, I tell all my safety team members, make sure you're carrying a knife because there's any number of times when you might need it. Now, I'm not talking about using it for a self-defense situation, although I guess that could happen. Um, But just in the normal ebb and flow of, of life, in the normal ebb and flow of being on a church safety team, I find I pull my knife out fairly regularly. Somebody will have a box that needs to be opened. Um, somebody will have you know something that needs to be cut, a piece of uh, rope or yarn or whatever. Um, you know, there's any number of settings where where the knife uh, may need to double as a tool. Um, so you know, this is not an absolute requirement, but I, what you'll find is if you start carrying a knife regularly, you'll actually really use it. Don't go away. We'll be right back. I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book series, the Zombie Terror War series. Now, these six books have been available individually, and you can still buy them individually, but now they're actually packaged together as a set on Amazon. The Zombie Terror War series. Now, look. You might not be into zombies, you might not be into The Walking Dead, but I still encourage you to check out this series of books. We we approach it from a different uh, viewpoint. It's actually more, uh, it's as much about terrorism and the war on terror as as it is about zombies. Because we actually, the the whole premise of my books is that the the whole zombie virus is a bioterror attack on America. And if you want to go through and read the, the reviews that people leave on Amazon, um, you know, so many great reviews. So many people have just really um, been kind of captivated by the story and by my character. So, um, you know, you can go on Amazon. You can actually read part of each book for free, kind of get a feel for it, see if it's something you'd like. But if it is, by all means, click buy because I would appreciate it. And I know you would enjoy the series. And if you do, make sure you... Leave me some great reviews on Amazon as well. Well, all right, we're back. I want to talk about communications. We've talked about um, the kind of firearm you, you should carry and some of the accessories that go with that. Um, having a flashlight with you, a small flashlight in your pocket or on your belt. Uh, having a knife with you, a concealable folding knife. Um, I prefer one with a serrated edge, but you you may not. But, you know, if it doesn't cut, it's no good. So a sharp knife. And then let's talk about communications. What type of communications are you going to use? Uh, We use walkie-talkies, and this allows my team, we have a fairly big campus at church, and it allows my team to communicate from one side of the campus to the other. So I would recommend getting some decent walkie-talkies that allow you to communicate um, at some distance. Uh, they're, they're all going to be limited unless you put up a repeater on your property, which you know none of us want to do. But they need to be strong enough that you can um, talk from one side of the building to the other. 
And, you know, I recommend getting earpieces for everyone. This is something that I actually buy for the team from the church. And, you, you know, you can get cheap earpieces for 5 or $10 a piece. Um, if you want to spend more money, and some of my guys have, um, you want to spend more money and get a better earpiece, maybe one that's molded or something a little more qual- high quality, that's fine. But, uh, but I give everybody an earpiece that the church has purchased for them. Um, the earpiece allows you know you to hear what people are saying without it being disruptive during a church service. And um, you know one of the things about an earpiece is there's not a whole lot you can do to conceal it so people know there's something going on and all of my safety team members um, don't announce their presence. We don't wear any clothing that says we're part of a safety team or part of the church's security force. We don't do any of that. Some churches do. Some churches, you know, have their safety team members wearing shirts or vests that say they're, you know, part of the security team or safety team or whatever they want to phrase it. But I prefer to keep our guys and girls undercover, um, plain clothes. But if you're you've got an earpiece on with the, the little cable hanging down and you look like the Secret Service, people are going to know there's something going on. At the same time, our parking lot team uses walkie-talkies. Our service team uses walkie-talkies, and then our kids. Um, workers, they have a couple of walkie-talkies back there as well so they can call the safety team if there's a problem. So, you know, most people understand that that walkie-talkies are just a great way for us to stay in touch. Um, They don't necessarily blow your cover, but it is important um, that your team be able to um, really uh, address the communication issue. When we first started, before we had enough walkie-talkies, we would use our phones to text back and forth or call and you know, it's just a bit cumbersome. Uh, the walkie-talkies are much, much better at uh, allowing the team to communicate. Um, I would recommend, uh, you, you know, we don't use them to play on. We don't joke around on the walkie-talkies. Um, you know, our church is big enough where we actually have our own channel. Um, you know, there are three, four, five of us that are working on any particular Sunday. Um, we have our own channel. The the kids team has their own channel. The service team, parking lot team have their own channel. So we can all flip over to each other's channels if we need each other. But um, but I would recommend let's maintain a level of professionalism. Um, you don't have to learn a bunch of signals like the police do. But, but even at that, you know, just using uh, the walkie-talkie to call in when there's something going on, to request assistance, um, you know, whatever it might be, it's excellent. Uh, it's an excellent means of communication and staying in touch. All right, so that's number four. I'm going to touch on one more today, and then we'll uh, we'll pick up again next week. Um, the last thing that every church safety team needs is a good first aid kit. Now, look, we live in Metro Atlanta, and we can have medical care here. We can have an ambulance here. I think the last time we called one, they were here within. 10 minutes or less, but 10 minutes can be an eternity when somebody needs help. And of course, we think in terms, when we're thinking in terms of a safety team, we're thinking in terms of worst case scenario, um, you know, an active shooter, somebody who's violent, trying to hurt people. Well, obviously, um, in that case, when, when you're talking about a first aid team, having some tourniquets available, having blood clotter some heavy bandages. Those are all important things in a worst-case scenario. But everything's not going to be a worst-case scenario. If a kid falls down and scrapes their knee, they just may need a Band-Aid. 
Um, we had a fella fall down and an older fella fall down and crack the back of his head. And, um, you know, we, we just needed some, some bandages to hold on there and control the bleeding until the, the ambulance got there. Um, but I would say, let's get a first aid kit. It doesn't have to be, you know, a $500 first aid kit, but it should address most major issues. Uh, should, there should be plenty of rubber gloves. Um, one of the things that, 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 that I addressed when, when the gentleman fell down and cracked his head open was there were people that immediately jumped and were trying to help him and didn't have rubber gloves on. And in this age of, you know, communicable diseases, probably kind of a dangerous thing for him and for them. So we've got rubber gloves where everybody has access to. We have um, medical supplies in, in several different locations around the auditorium and close to the auditorium where... Uh, people can access it. But whether you're carrying an IFAC, which is an individual first aid kit, I keep one of those um, close to me at all times. It's just a small kit, but it's got a tourniquet, it's got you know heavy bandages, it's got rubber gloves, it's got um, you know blood clotting stuff that uh, you know has been used in the military to and, and law enforcement to, to immediately control bleeding. Um, but then it's also just got band-aids in it. And then, of course, we have first aid kits and first aid supplies in different locations. So evaluate your situation, see what you have. And if you've just got the little $10 first aid kit that somebody picked up at Walmart or Walgreens, I would say supplement it. That's one of the things I did. We had a couple of, um, you know, just cheap first aid kits. And, uh, and I spent, you know, $100 of the church's money and got some heavy bandages, some rubber gloves, some blood clotting stuff. So, um, and just, you know, basically filled, filled the, the first aid kits up with some better, better things. So this is, uh, this is one way that we can take care of that without having to spend a ton to, ton of money. All right, let's do a quick recap. Um, equipping the church safety team, things that, that, that you need. Obviously, what kind of pistol are we carrying? I recommended a, a midsize frame, uh, a small flashlight, one in your pocket is a great idea. Make sure it works. A folding knife, um, you know, we don't want to have, a, you know, a, a, a Rambo knife strapped to our hip. That probably is not going to send the right message, but a concealable knife that you may need from time to time. Uh, a walkie-talkie. What, what, what are we going to use to communicate? Walkie-talkies are the best. You can equip your team probably for a couple hundred bucks. Um, then also make sure everybody's got an earpiece. And then a first aid kit. Um, I recommend everybody have an IFAC, an individual first aid kit. I've got a couple of them that I keep in different locations. And uh, you just never know when you might need these supplies. But along with having the, the individual first aid kit or having some supplies on you, um, there, there needs to be a, a larger source at, uh, at a central location at your church where the safety team, the service team, or people that um, want to help have access to. Well, I'm going to stop there. We will come back for part two next week and deal with some other issues of equipping the church safety team. Like I said, if you have any questions, let me know. Go to davidspell.com, and you can leave your question or your comment there. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. It's always great staying in touch. And if you've got any specific questions, feel free to leave them there, or you can email me at david at davidspell.com. And if you want me to um, have a chat with you about you know what we can do to help you get a church safety team up and running. I would love to do that. 
Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and we will see you next week on